Hello, I'm Ken Root, host of AgriTalk in its first seven years from August of 1994 to April of 2001. The upcoming show was from March 29 of 1999. It's with Dr. Mike Harden, an ag economist and tax specialist from Oklahoma State University. He remains in this pursuit to this day and is based in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I may have sounded very familiar with Dr. Harden in our discussion. Well, he and I are the same age and entered college together in 1967 as pledges of Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity. Mike was a state FFA officer and an excellent student. He took a job at 19 in the Ag Econ Lab or Computer Department, and he never left it. Mike was very early in the setup of tax programs for farmers. He graduated three times in ag economics and shifted over to being an extension tax specialist and doing private tax work as a sideline business up until his retirement, at which time it became full-time. The issues on this show may entertain you, particularly the value of land, the amount of money farmers feared paying to the government. But remember, this show was done over 20 years ago, and the rules Dr. Harden recited may not be accurate today. This is AgriTalk. I'm Ken Root. It's the last Monday in March. It seems to be going out like a suntan lamb. Full moon before the month ends, the fifth one this year. Very rare. Perhaps that's irrelevant. But what is relevant to our lives is taxes and figuring out ways to keep from paying more than our fair share and also not visiting a certain area in Leavenworth, Kansas. Well, to assist us in this uh, consuming effort of keeping our money from becoming the federal government's money is Dr. Mike Harden, Extension Tax Specialist from Oklahoma State University, a Ph.D. ag economist from a dairy farm in northeastern Oklahoma. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Ken. How is spring in Stillwater, Oklahoma? Well, it's beautiful here. Last time I looked out the window, they looked pretty good. You know, it would be a nice town if it weren't for those dang college kids, wouldn't it? Uh, I say that, but, but softly. <laughs> well, that town is one of those uh, across the country with a number of our uh, institutions, uh, state schools, that uh, the town wouldn't be very big if it weren't for a college. It brings in 20,000 students, 20,000-plus, uh, I guess now you are, aren't you? I believe that's correct. Plus all of the rest of you who uh, live off of that for your entire lives. Um, I want to talk about taxes with you this morning, and I want everybody else to participate in whatever way they can. So let me start with this. If you'd like to call us to ask questions of Dr. Harden, you know the standard procedure, 888-248-4825. That's uh, 888-AGRITALK. And uh, if you have a question that you think may be a little complex, or you want to make it succinct and you don't want to sit there and have to uh, be interrogated on it, um, you can fax it to us or you can email it to us. And the fax number for us, which would be the most straightforward for you to do, is uh, 816-891-0146. That's 816-891-0146. And the other one is to email it to Dr. Harden, and he'll be able to pick it up on his email at the half hour. And, Mike, what email can we send to you? Mike at yeah. okay. taxvisions, plural, dot com. So, Mike, M-I-K-E, at 
Tax Visions. That's T-A-X-V-I-S-I-O-N-S dot com. And if you'll send it before the half hour, he'll be able to get it at the half hour. And then we'll see how this goes. Supposedly it's about two minutes. Pretty fast compared to snail mail, isn't it? It's great. Let me ask you a question. I've got one in here already from a uh, from a listener that I am now uh, digging for. And uh, didn't seem to bring it in here with me as of yet. So let me ask it to you as we come back. Is there anything right now, as far as legislation, that uh, could be a pretty good boon to farmers here in the future on their specific ability to avoid paying taxes? Well, Ken, there's several things going on this year. Uh, Several of the farm senators have introduced legislation that I think could be very beneficial to farmers. Uh, I think sometimes when people call in and and ask me questions, uh, they may get a little frustrated that, that I say, well, this is the law. The law may not be fair, but uh, until the law is changed, we've got to follow the law. So I think here is, uh, here is our chance, so to speak, that we could uh, contact some of our representatives and, and show support for some of this legislation. Uh, specifically, Representative uh, Holshoff of Missouri has reintroduced what he calls farm and ranch risk management accounts. I personally believe this, uh, this is a very good uh, piece of legislation. Well, it is one, uh, he's talked to us before on the show, that certainly had a lot of support from farm groups because it, uh, it appears that if you have a profitable year, rather than paying high level of taxes, you can shift a part of that uh, net income forward for several years. It's very similar to a SEP or IRA contribution, but it's not limited to the uh, the two thousand dollars. It's uh, it's limited to twenty percent of farm income. So here's an opportunity in a in a good year, in a high high income year, you could uh, shift up to twenty percent of your taxable farm income into an IRA like account, get a get an, a a deduction or a a reduction in adjusted gross income, reduce income tax. The requirements are that within five years, you could leave this money in five years, within five years, if you have a bad year, a low-income year, you can pull that money out of the farm account and and pay tax on it then, probably at a a lower marginal rate. And and really, I believe this this is probably one of the best opportunities I've seen uh, in a long time, even the income averaging. these two together would be very effective. You know what I read into this is that clearly in the future, if you're going to have risk management, you're going to have to do it yourself, and that this is a statement that we are going to have a cyclical situation in agriculture that's not predictable. You're going to have good years. You're going to have bad years. And uh, rather than uh, buying paint and doing other things during the good years, you may have some other means to uh, to adjust for this. So hopefully this will get a chance to uh, get a full hearing the House and Senate and see if it'll go through. I think the president would sign this. I think he has spoken out on behalf of farmers on this before. I agree, and and my contacts in Washington indicate that uh, that this has a good chance. But I would encourage everyone who who can hear me to uh, to contact their representatives and and indicate your support for for this provision. It it could be, I believe, one of the real uh, milestone 
type legislations that we've seen for farmers in in decades. Well, truly, your voice is now reaching out to most of the Western world. And if you out there would like to uh, ask a question of Dr. Harden, make a comment on taxes, our number is 888-247-4825. Our fax number is 816-891-0146. Or you can email him at mike at taxvisions.com. This is Monday on Agritalk. When it comes to purchasing seed, this is what your right brain says. Take all the cheap seed you can get. But your left brain says, cheap seed could cost you big money at harvest. Well, I suggest you listen to your whole brain, which says stay with or move to 100% Pioneer brand corn and soybean seed. This way, it will help maximize your yield and income from every acre, and you won't be talking to yourself all the time either. Pioneer, this is technology that yields. Like most farmers, I commune with Mother Nature. Like I'm talking and she's answering. I might say, could we please not have so much rain? And she'd say, this is your mother. I only do what's good for you. Sometimes it's hard to appreciate that side of her. That's why I need something to get back in control, like DuPont Basis Gold. It controls emerged broadleafs and grasses, even if it doesn't rain. And when it does, its residual gives me protection all the way to harvest. I can apply it as a total post or follow on a reduced rate of pre, like new lead-off from DuPont. Either way, I can start spraying as early as three weeks after planting. Just the thing to work around. <clears throat> you know who. For contact and residual control of grasses and broad leaves in any weather, ask your chemical dealer about DuPont Basis Gold. Always read and follow the label. Farmers love to see what makes their equipment work. Well, here's equipment to make your spring planting a lot easier. Goodyear Ultra Torque Radial. What makes it work is the mud channel that helps keep your tractor moving even in gooey spring muck. Right now, with every set of Ultra Torques, you get a $50 U.S. savings bond. Or get $100 or $50 savings bonds with other selected tires. See your Goodyear Farm Tire Dealer for details. Goodyear, as American as farming. Talk to your local Goodyear Tire Dealer today about their spring deals on Goodyear Farm Tires. According to FBI statistics, every three seconds, a property crime is committed. Every three seconds. Now here's a great statistic. A home protected by an ADT security system is 15 times less likely to be the target of a break-in than a home without one. So why take chances? Call America's number one home security company and discover why more than 2 million homes and businesses trust ADT. Right now, for as little as $99, you can have an ADT system installed in your home. Call now and take advantage of this special offer. 50% off any one additional option up to a $75 value. Be smart. Be safe. Protect your home and family. Call ADT. Call 1-800-617-9400. That's 1-800-617-9400. 36-month monitoring agreement required at $25.99 a month. One-time activation fee may be required. Certain other requirements, restrictions, and fees may apply. Call 1-800-617-9400. This is AgriTalk, Ken Root and Dr. Mike Harden, tax specialist. We're sort of right between tax filing dates. Farmers have already had to file March 1, but April 15th is the date for all others. And uh, so many people may think that, well, it's already passed. Well, it's not. It's an annual thing. It's a year-round thing of trying to be able to set yourself up 
to keep from having to pay any more tax than you should. And hopefully Dr. Harden can answer your questions on how to do so. Let's go to Rick in Iowa. Rick, good morning. Hello, Rick. Hi. How are you, sir? Pretty good. What would you like to ask Mike? I had a question on uh, investing in IRAs. In the past, as a farmer, I've always filed uh, taxes by March 1st to avoid paying the estimated quarterly taxes. And I've always made my IRA and QO investments before March 1st. This year, I was talking to an investment professional that said he didn't think I had to do it until April 15th because that's the actual tax due date deadline, regardless of the March 1st deadline for avoiding paying estimated taxes. So I called the IRS's 800 number. That person, I realize they're wrong half the time, but that person <laughs> agreed. Editorial comment there. Well, yes. But that person that I talked to on the 800 number agreed that I didn't have to make those investments until April 15th, that that indeed was my actual tax deadline. So then I called my tax attorney to make certain, and he didn't think that was correct, but after checking his tax codes, he agreed that that also was correct. My predicament is, is in, on Friday of last week, I heard a radio uh, show in the afternoon uh, uh, and this gentleman suggested that if you were a farmer filing by March 1st, you had to make deductible IRA investments by March 1st, but you could do like Roth until April 15th. Mm. And I'm just, I've got these contradictions, and I'm just wondering what his estimation of the situation is. Well, Rick, you've got the full spectrum of uh, all the answers A to Z. Uh, well, without... I just wondered if it's an interpretation of the tax code or if it's a situation that somebody's wrong and somebody's right. Well, I suspect that uh, if, if you had 10 or 12 hours to research the tax code, you could come up with the answer. Off the top of my head, my recollection of the law is that you must, uh, you must invest in the IRA by the due date of your tax return. To be safe, obviously, I would do it by March 1st. No matter what the IRA is, whether it's a Roth or a regular. That's correct. Uh-huh. So either one, go with it on the due date of your tax return. What is the difference for you, Rick? Uh, well, the difference was that I have uh, uh, some machinery payments mm-hmm. and uh, farm payment on April 1st and have uh, property taxes that are due, you know. So uh, 45, 45 days so worth of float on it, that money, basically. It's easier for me to come up with the money that first half of April than it is in March. And it's just... Uh, a situation where that would be easier for me financially to do that it that way and uh, it was a situation where it didn't really matter to me it's just a matter of uh, mm-hmm. coming up with that money you know three or four weeks earlier and it was a little more difficult but Rick? Uh, the IRS the guy I talked to on the 800 number there suggested that the March 1st deadline is strictly a deadline to avoid paying the quarterly estimated taxes. It has nothing to do with your actual tax due date. He says your actual tax due date is April 15th, just like anybody else. Rick, if you'll give uh, someone there at the station your uh, phone number or email address, I'll promise you by March 1st of next year we'll have the answer for you. That sounds good. All right, Rick, we'll put you back into Rhonda here on the phone line, so don't hang up. Thank you for your call. Thanks. We've got a question here from... uh, a uh, listener who wants to know um, if you could explain uh, that a person is exempt from $650,000 of one's estate from taxes, but he was also told recently that $650,000 in gifts 
is some way tied to this exemption, enabling the giver to avoid having to pay gift taxes on up to 650000 Could you explain that? Well, it is confusing, Ken. Every individual has a, an estate tax exclusion. It's also called a unified credit, and it allows up to 650000 for someone dying in 1999 to, to not pay federal estate tax on that amount. Well, this unified credit can be used in two different ways. Let me first say that the, the gift tax rates and the estate tax rates are exactly the same. They're mirror image. So if I had 650000 Ken, and I was silly enough to give it to you. Well, I don't think that's silly. But... When I filed my gift tax return... Mm-hmm. I would have a choice. I could either pay the gift tax or I could use up my unified credit and pay no gift tax to Just give you 650000 Now, when I die, I would not have an exemption. I've already used it up. So Just one or the other. Unified credit, or if you want to think about it as an estate tax exemption, it's a gift tax exemption too, but it's a lifetime amount it can only be used once. Now, it's not an all or none. I could give you 100000 use up 100000 and then have 550000 left. Now, if I'm lucky enough to live until, what is it, 2007, I'll have a full million-dollar mm-hmm. estate tax exemption. Well, I tell you, if, you'd, uh, if you do that and give me 650000 I would buy you lunch when you come to see me and even let you stay at my house. That's going to be worth it. Yeah, I think so. Okay, if you have questions, and we have one or two others here coming in, uh, you can call us at 888-247-4825, or you can email us at the address we gave earlier, or you can fax us at 816-891-0146. Back with the Tax Doc after this. This is AgriTalk. I'm Ken Root with Dr. Mike Harden. Okay, here's a question for you, Mike. Maybe a softball for you, but one that still has some confusion with folks. This comes in from southern Minnesota. At what rate is a Roth IRA taxed? Well, Ken, I'm a little bit confused by the question. A Roth IRA, by definition, is not subject to tax. In other words, when you put the money in, there's no deduction. So if I put 2000 in a Roth IRA, as I did about a month ago, I'll get no deduction on my tax return. Mm-hmm. But that 2000 invested, plus the earnings on that, when I cash it out after, uh, after age 59 and a half, will not be subject to tax at any rate. Now, on the front end, though, that money is not tax-deferred that money has already been taxed. You've had to pay tax on that money before it goes into the Roth IRA. That's correct. And, and that's the same way of saying I did not get a deduction for the $2,000. If no. I were eligible for a traditional IRA, then I could have taken a deduction, $2,000, on my 1998 return. But then the $2,000 plus any earnings that the $2,000 made 
would all be subject to income tax at my whatever my ordinary income tax rate is in the year that I pull it out. Okay, now let me see if I got this right. Suppose that I take uh, uh, $2,000 and I put it into a Roth IRA, and I know that I didn't defer, I didn't save anything by doing that, but I put 2000 in there. And then over uh, a 10-year period, uh, I make a kajillion dollars because I have invested it in Internet uh, stocks and others. And I wind up with, let's say, I wind up with a million dollars in total amount of money. At the point that I start using that money, is there any tax to be paid on any of that money? No, there is not. And if you do that, then you can afford to give me a gift of six hundred and fifty thousand. I'd give you five hundred thousand, but I wouldn't give you more than half. I don't think that wouldn't okay. be fair. Okay. But that's exactly right. As long as I right. can stay at your house, okay. That if you uh, if you think you can double, triple, quadruple your money. Mm-hmm. then it's better to put it in a Roth because the whole thing's going to be tax-free. A lot of people aren't eligible for a traditional IRA, so they don't have a choice. So if you were putting it in a Roth, uh, are you putting it in a Roth and earning low interest, or are you putting it in a Roth and putting it in some type of growth fund to try to make the big bucks? Well, as, as an economist, not tax specialist, if you're going to take out a Roth, then I would put it in the most aggressive growth fund that uh, that your particular uh, uh, sleeping habits would allow you to uh, to stand. <laughs> In other words, if you can stand to realize you could lose it, uh, then you can uh, really push it uh, if, you, if you really wanted to because of the fact that none of that money is going to be taxable in the future. Well, you hit it just right, you know. Uh, let's say a person who's been doing this. This will be your second year to go into a Roth now. Is that right? Second year it's been available or third? Well, it was, uh, it was only available for calendar year 1998. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I did was uh, to, to make a non-deductible IRA contribution in 1997 mm-hmm. and then roll that over into a Roth in 1998. So I've got two contributions currently in my Roth. Working all the angles. When we come back after the half hour, here's an interesting one. Why should you write your check this year, if you have to pay taxes, to the U.S. Treasury rather than the IRS? There are some conspiracy-minded people who wonder why the change. Mike will explain it to you. He'll also take your questions at 888-247-4825. Back after this on AgriTalk. You're listening to AgriTalk. Brought to you by Pioneer Hybrid International and DuPont Agricultural Products. Agritalk is a presentation of Doan Agricultural Services. To participate in today's program, call toll-free 1-888-AGRITALK. That's 1-888-247-4825. Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Agritalk, its affiliate stations, or sponsors. Now back to Agritalk with your host, Ken Root. We uh, sometimes theme our shows a little bit for combinations of them. A couple of weeks ago, we were in Washington, D.C., and we uh, got uh, input from uh, four senators, three representatives, two secretaries of agriculture, and Al Gore, uh, vice president. I was going to say a partridge in a pear tree, but I thought I'd just stay with that uh, vice president. And uh, last week, we fought. Uh, we have groups that are um, somewhat splinter groups, uh, people who have had enough and are trying to do something about it. 
Most of them, I am pleased to say, seem to be working within the system, as far as I know. Uh, and that is definitely your right in this country. And then today and tomorrow, we're talking with the experts. Today on taxes and tomorrow on uh, legal issues with Dr. John Copeland. Dr. John Copeland, you may know, is the former head of the National Agricultural Law Center in uh, Arkansas and uh, is very good, as Mike Harden is today, at taking this extremely complex stuff that we have allowed to be put into our system over these years and explaining it in real-world terms. And so if you have questions for Dr. Copeland on legal issues, we'll work the same system tomorrow. You can either call us, as normally you do, or you can fax us at 816-891-0146, or you can email us, and your email should be to me, host, H-O-S-T, at agritalk.com, and then we will pass that on to Dr. Copeland during the show. Uh, If you want a little anonymity in something so that you uh, don't get the implication you're having problems, but you still got a good question, well, you can work through our fax machine or email, and we'll be able to... uh, Uh, not give who you are, just what your question is. And basically, that's where we're going. It's a lot of fun, Dr. Harden, to go back and forth with individuals on these things because they can add so much to it. And they can also give you the emotion that's involved because taxes are not just a situation of money. There's a lot more attached to them than just the number of dollars that you have to send in. I agree 100%, Ken. In addition to uh, what what knowledge I have about tax law, I certainly find that... uh, that psychology is uh, is very necessary in, in helping people to deal, particularly with something as personal as their money. Right. Hey, the question on why should you make out your uh, tax check to the U.S. Treasury versus IRS? Well, Ken, I can shed a little bit of light on it. I don't profess to have the uh, the entire answer. Uh, you're probably familiar with all the uh, the hearings that have been taking place over the last couple of years. Uh, in Congress and other places about the uh, the performance or lack thereof of uh, IRS employees, it was brought to light that uh, that there was a certain amount of uh, of fraud involved in that uh, checks that were made out to the initials IRS were were very subject to IRS employees or even postal employees or anyone who who could intercept the U.S. mail. Would uh, would take those checks and uh, and endorse them as, for example, I R Smith, and mm. just fill in the M I T H, uh, cash those checks and uh, and run off with the money. I R Smart would be another one too. That would work, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, if you make it to the U S Treasury, it's still going to the same. I mean, I R S is a division of Treasury, aren't they? That's correct. So it's going to the same place, but it's a lot harder harder for your name to be U S Treasury as it is to be. IR smart. And and the IRS and Treasury are working towards uh having most of the money, the checks sent to uh to IRS or the US Treasury are sent to a lockbox and and are directly deposited into the US Treasury. So I think this is a part of an overall plan mm-hmm. by Treasury to make sure that the hard-earned tax dollars that you send in are at least going to be used for the intended purpose. we got a mobile phone pending here. It's Dee in Nebraska. Good morning, Dee. Hi, how are you? Fine. What would you like to ask? Well, we have kind of a complicated situation here. We, I think we made a mistake. A year ago, we were at the point with the farming being so bad of losing 60 acres uh, and having to sell it outright. Instead of losing it, 
my husband and I bought it through a loan and from my father-in-law, which was for $40,000. And then uh, he loaned us the money back to pay the note off. Um, now, we know that he can give 10000 apiece to my husband and I as a gift tax, but what happens to the rest? And, and he had, like, uh, I originally bought the property for $4,425, so $4,425. So what do we do with the rest, and how do we file this? Well, Dee, you've got a uh, you've got a question there that can't be answered in a in a five minute session, um, and so you might want to give your uh, give your number to the station there, and I'll be glad to call you back. But in general, uh, you've you've had a debt forgiveness. You're right that that your dad can gift or or uh, give back up to ten thousand dollars each, but but the rest of that is really a uh, a gift or a debt forgiveness. Now you could pay gift tax on it or you could uh, subject it to the debt forgiveness rules. And generally, a debt forgiveness is taxable income. So they would have to pay taxes on the 20000 That's correct. Now, what about on her father-in-law and the difference between the $4,425 he paid? Is that right? That's what he paid for the 60 yes, acres yes. versus the uh, $40,000 he sold it to them on. Is that relevant? Well, and if there is a, a bona fide sale here, and, and one might question that, then then yes, on his tax return, he's going to have to treat that as if he sold uh, the land for $40,000, his tax base is $4,400, uh, he's going to pay a lot of capital gains tax. Let me ask you this, Dee, if you were to do this over, and I do appreciate you talking about something that's a real-world situation that you did, if you do it over now, based on what you know now, how would you do it? We wouldn't do it the same way. We'd have just sold the property and lost it. So when you get right down to it, in some There's cases... There's no way to get around it. Yeah. That's the, that's the bottom line, is uh, you try to save the home place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it was... So it had a uh, a value to you that was more than just the land. Oh, yes. Okay, so now you've saved the home place, in effect. Technically, right? yes, but uh, with paying him... I was under the understanding when we did this that he could take off from his... Uh, uh, taxes the twenty thousand of it as a gift, mm-hmm. and if he can't, then he's gonna. It's gonna make him in a bind, and we're gonna have to bail it out. Well, D, uh, it may not be possible to correct this thing hindsight, but but no gift. A gift is not tax deductible. But but why couldn't you spread these payments, these loan repayments, over several years, and and gift ten thousand dollars worth of loan payment? every year for the next three years or four. Well, that's what we're doing, but still, he's going to end up getting stuck with the 40000 correct? Right, and, and he would have even if he had uh, uh, sold it to someone else. That, which is true. So, um, I mean, so do, you not, have a, is... do you have a written contract on the, yes, on the sale? Do. Yes, we do. Okay, and it wasn't an installment sale that would... Uh... It's an installment. Okay, then, then your father is only going to have to pay tax on the pro rata share of the profit on the the money he received, the the twenty thousand, and yeah. he pays it in the year that he gets the money from it. Yeah, unfortunately, okay. in this situation, he has uh, since then had a stroke and everything else, so it's really uh, changed their uh, whole lifestyle and income mm-hmm. dramatically. I see. Sorry to hear that, Dee. Thank you very much for your call. Thank I you. I think we may have several people who face some of these situations with the current uh, crunch in agriculture. And thank you to Rhonda in here on our call screener who came up with these ideas. Uh, yeah, D, stand by here. We'll put you back to Rhonda and see if uh, Mike can work with you a little bit more if you need to. Let's go to Rosie in Wisconsin. 
Rosie, good morning. Good morning. How are uh, you doing? Uh, that fellow that was talking about that IRA contribution, uh-huh. um, we've been contrib- uh, contributing to IR- IR- IRA since uh, for quite a few years now, and you can put it in by April 15th. There's no problem there. You can put it in by April 15th. Yeah. You're, you're farmers. Yeah, even if you pay by, even if you have to pay your taxes by March 1st. All right, and how did you get this word that that was okay? Um, we did that through our uh, tax advisor. Okay. All right. Rosie. Have you been audited, Rosie? Pardon? Have you been audited? No, I haven't. <laughs> Great. Now she's going to worry about this for the rest of her life. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, they or said it was tick, okay. Tick, tick, and, tick, uh, tick, tick, tick. Yeah. Go ahead, Rosie. Okay. Another question I have was I wanted to know about that guy that's introducing this legislation. Um, Representative Hulsoff. Yes, right, from Missouri. Yes, ma'am. Um, now, we've uh, sold our machinery this last year, and I was wondering if they would, if this uh, legislation that they're introducing would be something that we could pay off uh, the tax bill over the next five years. You mean if it's retroactive to what of, you've already done? Instead of paying it all off in one year. That's one of the co- biggest complaints, Mike, that people right. have is that when they have a sale, all that depreciation that they've already taken, they now have to pay tax on all the money they make for that machinery. Well, that's true, Ken. The, um, have you taken advantage, or can you take advantage, Rosie, of the income averaging? It would apply to sales of machinery and equipment. Uh, that doesn't do any good for it, I guess, this year. Well, uh, it, it would if you had a higher income last year than you've had in... Uh, how many years do you get to count on income averaging, Mike? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Talked to our tax advisor about that, and she said that isn't going to do any good for us anymore. Um, as we sold our well, now when you when you did this though, did that move you out of farming? What? When you sold your machinery, did you get out of farming? Yes, we did. Okay, now Mike, there's my question. Suppose you get out of farming, but you want to put the money in a farm account. Are you still capable of doing that? The the farm account legislation cans require that you're actively engaged in farming. So, so if, if you, go, you get if out of farming, that's not going to uh, not going to help. Yeah. The definition of farm income for the farm legislation that Representative Holtzoff has sponsored is the same as farm income for income averaging purposes. It includes not only your Schedule F income, but sales of machinery, equipment, cattle, other capital assets. The only asset that is excluded from farm income is the sale of land. It okay. is not averageable farm income. Okay. Well, this this is this is just machinery, but uh, I was wondering, it's still farm uh, farm stuff. You know, it's um, something that you've used over the years. I mean, you take yeah. it costs you probably forty years to get the stuff. I don't know why you can't pay it back in, say, five years instead of one. Well, it makes too much sense, Rosie, and there's a lot of things that seem fair and make sense but unfortunately aren't part of the law. That's why we uh, we keep trying to publicize what the law is, and people like Representative Holtzoff uh, keep trying to make changes that help people. So if you want to give him a boost here, if you have email, you can send it to house.gov uh, forward slash right rep and it'll get to them that way, or you can just send them a letter. Thank you, Rosie. Got to go to a break. Back after this with Dr. Harden.
For more information on programs and features, contact us on the web at agritalk.com. This is AgriTalk on Monday. We're talking taxes here as they relate to people who farm or have businesses. And uh, our guest is Dr. Mike Harden, an agricultural economist, tax specialist with Oklahoma State University, and soon to turn 50 years old, of which we may talk in a moment about once you reach that milestone in life that I have just reached uh, recently, you tend to think a little bit more about retirement and estate planning. We'll catch that. Congressman Mingi from uh, the 2nd District of Minnesota apparently has recently saluted the IRS for their efforts to reverse a ruling that required retired Minnesota corn processors members who didn't grow or purchase any corn to pay self-employment tax on their earnings from the co-op. I sent you this a little bit earlier. Can you explain uh, why that the IRS reversed that ruling? Well, Ken, I can shed some light on it. I actually called the IRS office in Minnesota that was listed in this ruling, um, and, and I don't have all the information, but I do know that this ruling applies specifically and only to farmers that are members of the Minnesota Corn Processors Cooperative. No broader than that. So it's a very narrow ruling. Uh, it has to do with whether those uh, whether those farmers were actively engaged in farming, depending upon whether they grew corn to contribute to the cooperative, whether they bought corn to contribute mm-hmm. to the property, and there was even, even within the cooperative a kind of pooling rel- relationship where they could buy corn from the cooperative to contribute to the cooperative. But generally it says if they had retired and they still were getting money from the stock that they had purchased, that that, was not, that did not require self-employment tax. I believe that's correct. Uh, IRS would like for all activity uh, to be subject to self-employment tax. There was apparently a uh, court case that, uh, a small court case, which uh, which IRS has agreed with and is going to apply. Now, I think the ultimate ruling there, Ken, could be much broader because this this Minnesota Corn Processing Cooperative is a value-added cooperative. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ways that farmers can uh, get a little better price for their commodity by either processing it in, into something that has a higher value. So these value-added cooperatives, I think, are, are going to grow and, and become more popular. So I think this ruling could be, in the future, uh, you know, have much, a much broader application. Right. Let's go to Mark in Kansas. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Ken, Mike. I have a very small farm with a very small economy, and I use a lot of electricity for, like, hatching birds, running brooder lights, uh, plant lights for farmer's market, you know, garden plants, and then I use a lot of my well water for irrigating the garden. Is there any way I can deduct part of my electricity bill on my taxes? Well, Mark, you can. The, The ideal way to do that is to have a separate meter for your farm, and, and then there's no question as to what's farm and what's personal. Now, practically speaking, I know that's not always possible. So any, it's just like any other expense that you want to put on your tax return and take a deduction for. That is, you've got to have good records that show uh, what portion uh, is. Now, maybe in the wintertime when you're not, uh, is there a month of the year when, when the, uh, you're not using much farm electricity? You could compare how much it goes up. Is there a way to estimate 
Well, that's just it. You know, in the spring when you're not really using heat and you're not re- really using air conditioning, that's when I'll have my highest bills because of all these activities. Mark, if I were you, I would try to uh, to talk to some of your neighbors maybe who, who have a, a farm home similar to yours, compare your bill with theirs, get some kind of idea as to how much bigger your bill is than someone who's not farming, and uh, use that as, a, as data. What would it cost for another meter? Uh, what's your base cost for a meter there, Mark? Oh, well, it'd only be like a $5 service charge a month, but you'd have to have the pole and the meter, and then I'd probably need a separate water well and, and you know, all the wiring. And like I said, my, my lifestyle's so intertwined with what I do that uh, mm-hmm. it'd just be... Well, it sounds like Mike's got a formula there for you if you can use it and just be aware that at some point in the future somebody could question it that's from the IRS and you better have records to show it. And then on, on mileage, do you have to keep a log of all your trips and, and mileage every time you start and come home? Mark, that's the best way. Uh, the law says that you need to keep a contemporaneous record. Contemporaneous is a fancy word for do it uh, near or at the time you're actually making the trip. Uh, there's lots of ways. Uh, again, if you can, if you can just get a, uh, a mileage log, put it in your glove compartment, uh, jot down. Uh, keep a calendar that says where you go and what you do, and, and kind of back figure then. All, all of those. In, in any audit, Mark, you've got to have information that, that proves what uh, the deduction you're going to take, and you've got to have information that IRS doesn't have that can contradict your information. And you can pick up one of those logs, according to Rhonda here, for 6 to $7, and the key word is contempt. Where <laughs> Walmart, okay. uh, Dennis's Home, wherever you'd uh, like to uh, find one, uh, those uh, logs are available. Thank you, Mark, for your Thank comments you. today. Let's finish up with a moment on estate planning. I know we can't go too far with it, but uh, I think there is a certain time in your life you start looking at it a little bit more. And are you at that point, Mike? Well, yes, I am, Ken. Uh, I guess there's this magic age that, uh, that you realize you're going to live long enough to, uh, to have something, and, uh, and then you start worrying about who you're going to give it to. So it's, uh, it's one of those milestones in life. There's a lot of information out there available to uh, to look at estate planning. I've I've heard professionals in that area say the only people who pay estate tax are those who refuse to plan. Well put. And uh, you know, when we were 19 years of age going to Oklahoma State, we never thought that we would be 50 this year. But uh, you know, and now I'm having an easier time believing I'm going to be 65 than I had believing I'd be 50. Well, I suspect we, uh, we both modified some behavior along the way, which, uh, which allowed that to happen. <laughs> yeah, we did. We, re- we modified our behavior the most when we left Mama and went to college. But thank goodness we lived through all of that. Ken, Dr. there's a couple of uh, other laws that are proposed. So contact your representatives. We didn't have a chance to talk about it, but they will benefit farmers. So contact your representatives and support them. All right. Thank you, Dr. Mike Harden. We appreciate you being with us once a month here on AgriTalk. And tomorrow we'll turn to the expert on the legal side, Dr. John Copeland. So get your questions ready for him and be with us every day this week right here on AgriTalk. This AgriTalk archive program was recorded on March 29, 1999. Do not expect the exact tax laws of that era to be the same today. 
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to subscribe, you'll be notified when our next AgriTalk The Root Years podcast is released. Have a great day.